Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Brothers Matthew and Tyler Williams were always taught to live according to God's plan. Everything had to have a biblical justification from diet to their daily lifestyle. It was sort of family as cult almost. Matthew was the heir and Tyler was the spare. But as they got older, their beliefs became a violent crusade. Matthew and Tyler set out to fight gays, Jews, abortion clinics. He was going to be the hand of God on this earth to address those ills. The Williams brothers became a two-man holy army, intent on an apocalypse of their own design. You get the feeling this is an assassination. I have never in my 30-plus year career seen anyone able to do that. They were violating God's law. This is their punishment. The guy was Satan. There are many, many cases where we are called to kill. On a summer morning in Northern California, 81-year-old Oscar Matson calls his son Gary and hears something strange on the answering machine. This is Gary in Winfield. Um, we've taken ill. It was a message, an outgoing message that said that Gary and his uh, partner, Winfield Matter, were sick and were going to San Francisco for some kind of specialized treatment. He instantly recognized that was not his son's voice. It disturbed him. He immediately asked his other son to go by and see what was wrong over there, what was going on. And the son did go by and noticed at once that the car was missing. And then he opened the door. There were shell casings on the floor as soon as he crossed the threshold. 
Inside, he makes a horrifying discovery. He found his brother and Winfield deceased and still lying in their beds. The two men have been shot to death. The combined times which they had been shot was 15. The double murder shocks the town of Reading. Gary and Winfield are pillars of the local community. If you lived in Reading, California, you would have known Gary and Winfield. They were out there in the community and well-known, respected. The fact that they were gay didn't seem to be an issue in Reading, even though Reading is a very conservative community. They seem to be accepted by uh, most of the people in the community. Their murders made no sense whatsoever. It just didn't make any sense of why they would be targeted. As the investigation begins, police have no way of knowing that this double murder is just one battle in a much larger war. And more violence is on the way. Rural Northern California is home to family farms and family values. Ben and Sally Williams, along with their sons, Matthew and Tyler, fit right in. Matthew and Tyler Williams grew up in this small farming community of uh, Gridley, which is about halfway between Sacramento and Reading. Their father was a forest service worker. Their mother was a teacher there in Gridley. And they lived in this fairly remote home outside of town. Matthew was a little more than a year older than Tyler, and the boys did everything together. Their family was a tight-knit unit sewn together by their strong faith. Their father was a follower more of the Old Testament, and I think that was extremely important that he imparted that in both his boys. They didn't spend a lot of time with outsiders, and they were a fairly self-sufficient family. Homeschooled, grew their own food, raised their own uh, you know, chickens and livestock. Everything had to have a biblical justification or reference. Everything from diet to their daily lifestyle, everything had scripture associated with it. Thank you, Lord, for this bountiful feast we are about to receive. I think the family was trying to create a little bit of Eden on that spot in Gridley. Any prayer you may have, this food is part of God's bounty. As the man of the house, Father Benjamin preached to his family. But as the local eccentric, he preached to the entire neighborhood. Matthew's father played loud music and loud sermons that could be heard all over the neighborhood. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. I remember hearing stories about the father, Ben Williams, marching up and down these streets with a staff, imagining himself to be a prophet and confronting people and saying, you must be saved. And his rhetoric often extended beyond the Bible. He was very hostile to the government. He had some very serious paranoid concerns about politics, about racial politics. He wanted his view of things to get out there at the same time that he was protecting his own family from outside influences. It was sort of family as cult, almost, and it was a very strange way to be raised. Ben seemed to have a powerful hold on his family, especially his two young sons. It seemed clear that Ben was the main figure in that family, and that uh, Matthew and Tyler were trying to please him most of, the, most of the time as they were growing up. Though close in age, the brothers had very different personalities. 
Tyler was very quiet, very reserved, he was studious. Matthew uh, was much more outgoing. People around the community knew him uh, more than they knew Tyler. Charismatic Matthew became his father's biggest admirer. I think he was somewhat obsessed with his father, perhaps. I think he wanted to embody his father. I think he really admired this man. And Matthew became the favorite son. Tyler strove to earn his parents' approval. And no matter what he did, he told us it didn't work. And yet Matthew seemed to earn their praise effortlessly. It's almost a classic firstborn situation where Matthew was the heir and Tyler was the spare. Though homeschooled in their younger years, the Williams brothers entered the local public high school. Both brothers graduated with good grades and Matthew decided he wanted to leave Gridley. Like many kids in the United States, he tried to get out by joining the Navy. He ended up in a naval base in Bremerton, Washington. But Matthew wasn't your typical sailor. He didn't seem to be accepted by his fellow sailors. Some of them thought that he wasn't masculine enough for their tastes. And that was one of the first indications that there were people who wondered if, in fact, Matthew was gay. And Matthew was horrified. I'm sure that he was raised with the notion that, you know, homosexuality was beyond the pale. I think it was deeply, deeply shocking. Despite the suspicions of his fellow sailors, Matthew managed to meet a girl. He met Kimberly in Bremerton. It was an evangelical sort of young adults organization that they hooked up at. He and, and Kimberly must have had sex early on because she became pregnant. They had a child together, and he wanted to marry her, but the woman uh, refused. Uh, rejected him, and he was just devastated by this. He was in agony about not being able to have contact with, with his own child. He felt it was his religious duty to be a father to this child. And I made up my mind. And, and this is over. I'm, I'm done. I, I can't. His life shattered. Matthew got an early discharge from the Navy and enrolled in a branch of the University of Idaho in the town of Moscow. As soon as he arrived, he discovered a strict Christian church called the Living Faith Fellowship, or LFF. I think Living Faith looked like a real-world version of the Gridley home that he grew up in. In other words, it's run by a dictatorial pastor, and Gridley was run by a dictatorial father who decided everything. He was all in, and that's what Living Faith Fellowship wanted, was 100% of your time, energy, and commitment. Matthew has found a new home but he won't be apart from his real family for long. It's like Tyler had a fatal attraction, if you will, to his brother. He loved him and he hated him. The Williams boys will soon be back together and they will take their faith to a violent new level. I want a beautiful, clean, pure white society. The American dream.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. After growing up with his younger brother, Tyler, in a strict religious family, Matthew Williams has found a new home. You couldn't be a casual member. Living Faith Fellowship wanted 100% of your time, energy, and commitment. Though extreme to many, the LFF's practices won't be pure enough for Matthew Williams. Over the next two years, Matthew attends school and devotes himself to the Living Faith Fellowship. Everything on the outside was supposed to be happy and friendly and casual. But behind the scenes, of course, everything was very rigid, bureaucratic, very formal. At first, Matthew feels right at home. The church is as dominant a presence in Matthew's life as his father once was. You met with them, say, once a week, and you had a list of aspects of your life that you had to report on. I um, grew up with my brother and two parents um, out in Northern California. You would be critiqued, chastised, uh, praised, whatever it might be. I, for instance, saw my file. It was probably a good three inches thick and it included photos and transcripts of conversations that I had had with people. They knew everything about you. But after a few years, he begins to chafe at some of the practices of the church. I'm not gonna continue with this bureaucracy. It's just politics and lies. 
They were supposed to be covert. All of these forms that you filled out for everything that you did, and you had to be secretive about it. If you try to leave or you become critical of the group in any way, they use that information to try to put you back in your place. I'm really irritated. Matthew was outraged by all of the secrets. I don't want to be involved anymore. I'm fed up with this. It's ridiculous. It's not who I am. Not, it's not what I'm looking for. Feeling misled, Matthew leaves the LFF. After that, Matthew's life fell apart. This great idealistic attempt to live the religious life collapsed in mistrust. Trying to mend his life, Matthew befriends other former LFF members in the area. He made the decision to leave, and the next thing, the next day or two, he started hanging out at our house pretty much on a daily basis. All of a sudden, uh, we were designated his substitute parents. First six months, seven months that we knew Matthew, he was incredibly easygoing, charming, witty, but so bright. He was a delight to be around. Matthew doesn't have a problem making male friends, but the opposite sex is a different story. He didn't really actively date girls. He didn't talk about women at all. Uh, he just, it really didn't seem to be a part of his life, but he had very close relationships with other men, but not, but not women. Matthew moves into a trailer on a local farm so that he can fully concentrate on his studies. But his focus on school is short-lived. As soon as Matthew got out of the Living Faith Fellowship, I think he was sort of reaching out for anything. About every six weeks or so, he would get involved in something new, and uh, he'd become completely passionate about it. His first LFF substitute was this tax revolt thing. They're stealing from you, don't you get it? He believed that income tax was not constitutional. Not only was not going to pay his taxes, but he urged all the rest of us to do the same. Food combination, that was another one, uh, where you, it was this belief that you not only had to eat uh, pure, fresh food, but that you had to eat it in the right combinations. Matthew's enthusiasm for purity goes from the strange to the bizarre. Matthew uh, obviously was searching for something at this point. He. Uh, fell into what most people would consider bizarre uh, practices. He became obsessed with uh, having the perfect bowel movement. He became obsessed with the placement of his feet as he went to the bathroom uh, to have the perfect bowel movement. He had this block that he had to have his feet on, and you had to squat so that your bowels aligned in a certain way. <laughs> Matthew's friends grow weary of his obsessions. Matthew's friends, uh, the few that he had, uh, didn't understand what was happening to him, didn't follow uh, what he was doing, and uh, most of them ended up rejecting uh, his friendship. You will find out. You will all find out. But he soon finds a new interest that will take him in a dark direction. He eventually told me all about this belief called Christian identity. I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I'm, I'm finding the truth. It's very creepy, racist, strange. The white people are the true descendants of Cain. And anti-Semitic, it's got a very ugly 
interpretation of sort of some of the fundamental stories of the Bible. Followers of that movement believe that uh, whites are the supreme race. Uh, it's a very common theme, and it was very common in the Pacific Northwest at that time. Matthew, after all the experimenting, all the, the series of enthusiasms, had finally landed on something that wasn't going to go away. I, I could see that. All of a sudden, he was just this really super intense, conspiracy-minded person that we didn't recognize. Though he's losing friends fast, there's still one person in his life Matthew can rely on. Tyler was living still with his parents. He was uh, working in a machine shop. When Tyler went up to visit Matthew, it all came crashing back. The, you know, the old relationship sort of snapped back into place. He became very dominant, bossing Tyler around, uh, telling him constantly what to do, telling him to shut up, to be quiet. That's wrong. That's stupid. You need to read this. Matthew's personality just became very similar to his father's personality, actually. And Matthew is all too eager to bring his brother into his world of strange beliefs and practices. Tyler had gotten out of the shower one day and Matthew demanded of him, have you had a bowel movement yet today? And Tyler said, well, no. And he immediately made Tyler sit down on the toilet and have a bowel movement. Make sure you're breathing, you hear me? And okay. that just strikes yeah. me as so sad and pathetic. I am trying to breathe, okay? Just calm down. I think involvement in someone going to the bathroom is the ultimate in domination. The order of which you eat is very important. Everything from going to the bathroom to, to bathing to eating, there wasn't any time where Matthew wasn't telling Tyler exactly how to do everything that he did. Do you understand? I do, I do. Starches and... Look at me, do you understand? I understand, the starches and... The... Time and distance haven't changed the dynamics between these two brothers. It's like Tyler had a fatal attraction, if you will, to his brother. He loved him and he hated him and he resented him, but he couldn't stop desperately desiring approval. And so there was always this tether. Running low on money and friends, Matthew and Tyler returned to California. And a new crusade against sinners is about to begin. Ben and Sally Williams decided to leave Gridley one day, apparently because God told Ben that uh, it was time to go to uh, the Reading area. They ended up living on a large plot of land in Palisadro, right outside of Reading. Always their father's obedient disciples, Matthew and Tyler follow their parents north. They ended up reproducing household and a lifestyle that was very similar to the one they had in Gridley. Tyler moves back in with his parents and begins a series of quiet technical jobs. Matthew, on the other hand, gets a place of his own. Matthew had a series of, uh, of odd jobs. He was a science teacher. Uh, he would sell uh, Montana militia uh, literature uh, in that area, as well as Sacramento. Matthew became more and more immersed in this world of right-wing uh, white supremacist uh, movement. He would write letters to the leaders of these groups. They would write him back. He would sell some of their literature at some expos around uh, Northern California. As Matthew furthers his extreme pursuits, he and his brother decide to go into business together. 
and create their own landscaping company. He apparently could grow anything from what people in Reading told us. He also was uh, selling things at the farmer's market in Reading, and that's how he came to meet Gary and Winfield. Gary and Winfield had been an openly homosexual couple in that community for a number of years. And they were active uh, in the horticulture community in Shasta County, very active in the local farmer's market. Uh, lots of people knew them, and they were extremely well-known throughout the area. An open and accepted gay couple catches Matthew's eye. Matthew did make some uh, side remarks to other people about uh, their relationship. You think they're a couple? What do you mean, like gay? But there wasn't any outward animosity toward them at first. Hey, how are you guys? It almost seemed as though they looked forward to seeing each other uh, on the weekends. But Matthew's apparent tolerance won't last long. As the clock counts down to the year 2000, the approaching millennium sparks paranoia amongst the ranks of the far-right fringe. Y2K really put people in a spin where they thought the world was going to come to an end. We had to arm ourselves. I mean, it was, a, it was a crazy time. And seated on them, those to whom judgment was committed. They believed God was commanding them to take against minorities and Jews and others. People in the Christian identity movement were thinking this race war that is part of their belief system was about to come about an apocalyptic battle. Matthew and Tyler drink deeply from this well of paranoia. Matthew and Tyler believed very firmly that, uh, that some kind of conflict was coming between the white race and the other races that uh, they looked down upon. The Williams brothers won't wait for the fight to come to them. And for some, the apocalypse will start early. On April 20th of 1999, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold enter Columbine High School. They are armed with pistols, rifles, and explosive devices. Two students at Columbine High School go in and uh, murder you know, dozens of their fellow classmates and teachers. And this was one of the flashpoints uh, for this violent uh, outbreak. Columbine felt like quasi-terrorism almost at first. I think it was galvanizing to Matthew uh, when he heard about it. And for Matthew, there's another reason to remember April 20th. That was Hitler's birthday as well. So in, in that respect, I think he would have looked at that as a, as a day of meaning. I think it showed them how much attention one act could gain. And uh, I think that was very important to Matthew. I think he probably looked at that and thought, why not me? The brothers take immediate action. Matthew and uh, Tyler decided to go out that night and drop off their... Um, white supremacist hate literature at uh, high schools in the Reading area. The flyers were found and there was, you know, complete shock and disgust. But they weren't caught. Matthew plots to take their cause to a larger audience. Matthew and Tyler set out to fight what they viewed as God's enemies. Gays, Jews, abortion clinics. He wasn't a criminal. But he learned to be a criminal by reading books. And that's the type of guy he was. He was kind of a book smart kind of a guy. 
can do searches on the internet for just about anything you can imagine, from baking a cake to making a bomb. The information's there, sadly. On June 18th, 1999, the Williams brothers got into these blue jumpsuits in the middle of the night. They loaded up their car with these fuel oil and gasoline bombs they had uh, concocted. And they got in their car, and they drove down Interstate 5. It's about a two and a half hour drive from Redding to Sacramento. The two brothers came to their first stop, the B'nai Israel Synagogue. They parked their father's car, and Matthew took a crowbar and gained entrance into the synagogue. That was the moment where he went from being a dream warrior to actually doing it. He splashed the mixture of gasoline and oil onto the altar area, as well as the walls and some seating area, and ignited that. Matthew's in and out of B'nai Israel within four minutes. As one synagogue burns, the brothers race to their next target, Congregation Beth Shalom. Again, Matthew enters with bombs, lights a fire, and escapes. Then they move on to their final target. Then they drove to the last place, which was Knesset Israel Torah Center. They firebomb their final target like the first two, but this time they leave a message. But at Knesset Israel Torah Center, they left some pamphlets, and I, I think that he wanted law enforcement to believe this was the action of a group, not individuals. And then they left town. They drove back to uh, Reading. They would have gotten back to town probably right as daylight was coming. Matthew was probably thrilled after that first night. Drunk with glory, I mean, I think it was a joyful experience for him. The Williams brothers succeed in gaining attention. The reaction to these arsons was worldwide. I was actually in Europe on vacation in Germany, and I, I read an American newspaper, and there on the front page was a fire of three you know, Jewish synagogues in Sacramento. It looked like this is an organized movement. Unlike the leafleting of the schools, this people took very, very seriously. And with Tyler and Matthew working in tandem, the bombings are just the beginning. It's about to get much more personal. Gary and Winfield had dinner with Gary's father, and then they drove home. They had a sort of charming ramshackle property. They came back, and they probably just dropped their clothes and got into bed. But Gary and Winfield would soon have some unexpected visitors. Matthew and Tyler drove to uh, Happy Valley, to the uh, Matson and Matter home on Olive uh, Avenue. They had a, a 22 Ruger, and they had a silencer that Tyler had made uh, apparently from a, a landscaping sprinkler. They opened the door. Gary and Winfield, they're lying in bed. He started firing at the bed. There was an initial barrage, a round of shots. To make certain that they were dead, he took a chair and set it up at the foot of the bed and then just stood up on that and fired into it. You get the feeling this is an assassination. Matthew said very clearly, very plainly, that Matson and Matter had to die because they were gay. They were violating God's law. This is their punishment. 
Matthew and Tyler then steal Gary's credit card and the keys to the van parked outside. They see there's a little old-fashioned answering machine with a cassette tape on the desk. They decide to leave a message that's going to sort of mask the fact that they were there. This is Gary and Winfield. Um, we've taken ill. We've gone to the Bay Area to see a specialist. Calm down. Calm down. Just say something. We'll, we'll be back in a week. The brothers then leave the house, taking the two vehicles. The next day, the bodies are discovered, and an investigation begins. But there are no apparent leads, and the Williams brothers are in the clear for now. They were uh, on the loose, uh, and the, it was obvious the police were still confused as to what was going on. There was nothing that was tying these brothers at that point to this crime, to any of these crimes. With the clock ticking down to the millennium, Matthew and Tyler aren't about to lose their momentum. Well, a day later, on July 2nd, 1999, uh, the brothers went through their routine again. They got on their jumpsuits, they got their uh, little bombs, and they drove down I-5 to an uh, office building in uh, suburban Sacramento that housed an abortion clinic. They still may have been running on adrenaline uh, from the homicides and took advantage of that, just the total empowerment that they had at that time. Matthew and uh, Tyler arrive outside this abortion clinic. It's in the shadow of a shopping mall here in Sacramento. And they uh, break out uh, the outer door to the building. They go uh, to the clinic, uh, throw in one of their bombs, a couple of Molotov cocktails, and this blaze begins. And they take off. I think in Matthew's mind, he was going to do everything he could to rid the world of the scourges uh, of modern American society in his mind, Jews, homosexuals, brown people, abortion issues. And, and so that's the path that he was on. He was going to be the hand of God on this earth to address those, those ills. No one is injured at the clinic, but fear grips Northern California, and police are baffled. We had gone almost a week without any really, anything remotely approaching a solid lead. The sheriff's department was turning over every stone, expending everything they could to try to get to the bottom of these crimes. And we were nowhere. But they soon catch a big break. We were informed from the Oroville Police Department, which is a small city located about an hour and a half south of Reading, that they had recovered our stolen vehicle belonging to Gary Matson. We found no footprints in the area, uh, no witnesses to car being abandoned there, and the interior of the vehicle uh, produced no physical evidence uh, at the time. And then another stroke of luck. I was informed that Gary's credit card had been used to place an order from a business in Arizona to order $2,000 of ammunition reloading equipment, and that they were instructed to mail it to a P.O. box in Yuba City, California. Later that day, Someone was there to pick them up, claiming to be Gary Matson. Okay, if you can keep them there, keep them there. I'll be right there. With the clock ticking, police rush to the scene. Once there, they find Matthew and Tyler loading boxes into their car. Matthew and Tyler had bulletproof vests. They had a number of firearms loaded and ready to go. They had lots of ammunition. So they were ready for something to happen. Police began shouting orders 
to the two subjects. Get on the ground, on your knees, put your hands on your head. Down on your knees. Do not move. It may be the moment Matthew Williams has waited for his entire life. Matthew was almost taunting our detectives in Yuba City Police to shoot him. He said multiple times, go ahead and shoot me. Matthew got on the ground, turned to his brother Tyler. What do you want to do, partner? As if, do you want to go out in a blaze of glory? With his brother's life in his hands, Tyler chooses to surrender. Tyler complied, and when told to get on the ground at gunpoint, he went to the ground. That just wasn't in his nature, as far as we can tell. Tyler he was a follower. He wasn't someone who was going to pull his gun and start blasting away at these officers. The police take Matthew and Tyler into custody and then search their car. The car that belonged to Tyler revealed a loaded 9mm Glock pistol, a loaded shotgun, a loaded AR-15 rifle, another rifle, uh, two more pistols, all loaded and chambered. Uh, it indicated to us that there were just bigger things to come. The most significant immediate thing that was found was Gary Matson's driver's license and Gary Matson's credit card. So now we had a link to the murders. And when police search the brothers' homes, they find even more evidence of their war on the unclean. When we conducted the search warrant at the parents' house in Palisadro, and Tyler was living there at the time, we found the motor oil jugs, black jugs, that were similar to the ones that were left at the B'nai Israel synagogue. The police have all they need to put the brothers away. But jail is the last thing on Matthew's mind. Matthew began dealing with the media almost instantly. There is an apocalyptic army on the horizon. He would talk to any reporter who would come to see him. I am fulfilling his work. Do you understand? He confessed the murders to me in a jailhouse interview. I, I simply showed up and said, did you kill him? It needed to be done. There are many, many cases where we are called to kill. I did this of my own free will. He talked with great passion about his uh, belief in certain parts of the Bible and his interpretations that justified what he had done and spoke very openly and very plainly about what he had done and why he had done it. I want a beautiful, clean, pure white society. The American dream. That's what I want. That wasn't Matthew, that was a monster. Honestly, the pictures that they showed in the paper, the video, the cruel expression on his face, the, he was another person. He, he was, he looked like his father. He looked exactly like his father. I think he loved the attention. I think he loved the idea that he was instilling so much fear among people. Tyler only talked to the media one time, and it was a very brief interview uh, in which he denied any involvement in the crime. And after that, he shut down. As Matthew relishes this time in the spotlight, his parents pay their sons several visits. I don't know there was any sense of love or compassion you know, between father and son. I never got the impression that Matthew felt that. It was all a very intellectual relationship. It was all about ideology, uh, not, not family feeling. It seems that opinions run strong in the family. 
kind of disgusting to think that our government's being run by these folks. We interviewed them uh, once on the street uh, outside the courthouse during the uh, initial proceedings. And Ben went out of his way to question my uh, reporting partner, who was Jewish. I think he referred to me as a mud person. No question in my mind that these two young men did not fall very far from the tree. Matthew loves the public eye, but the press is a two-way street. One of Matthew's old friends gives an explosive interview to The Advocate, an LGBT publication. Matthew met uh, Dan Martin in the uh, LFF church, and uh, when they both split off from that church, they became friends. Uh, they went on camping trips together, uh, and during these trips, apparently, uh, skinny dipped, became very close. Uh, Martin wrote in the Advocate article that uh, they'd had a relationship, that uh, Matthew was gay. Uh, and Martin later on uh, came out publicly uh, as a gay man. Though none of Matthew's other friends make any claims about his sexuality, the assertion raises fascinating questions about Matthew's motivations. In the course of uh, the investigation, and some on our team put forth the idea that perhaps Matthew himself was gay and that he committed these murders uh, as some form of self-hatred. I mean, you can't just point toward this religious fervor to explain away these crimes. I mean, obviously there was something else driving him. Uh, and whether it was the fact that uh, he just hated gays so much because he feared he might be one himself could have motivated him. But not everyone buys into this theory. What we're seeing is this reflection of, of a very, very sheltered sort of homeschooled life. Matthew hadn't learned the usual repression that we as American men learn. And that looked to people gay. I think what actually motivated these crimes was religious obsession. Only Matthew knows for sure, and after a year in jail, he pleads guilty to the synagogue bombings. Shortly after, Tyler does the same, but Matthew doesn't go gently into the night. Matthew is being held in the Shasta County Jail, uh, awaiting trial on uh, all these cases. And at one point, he apparently savagely beat a deputy uh, in the jail and severely injured this deputy. Correctional Officer Timothy Renault was Jewish. He wore a Star of David around his neck. And it's our opinion that Timothy Renault was specifically picked out of all the numerous correctional officers that we have to be a victim. Matthew is banished to solitary confinement, but he has one more surprise up his sleeve. On November 17, 2002, Matthew is discovered dead in his jail cell. Matthew took a razor blade and cut himself from his left ankle to his left inner thigh, from his right ankle to his right inner thigh, from his left wrist to his shoulder, from his right wrist to his shoulder, and both sides of his neck. I was. I have never in my 30-plus year career seen anyone able to do that to oneself. In my mind, the guy was Satan. In the wake of Matthew's suicide, his little brother is left to pick up the pieces. 
I think that Matthew's suicide probably left a massive hole in Tyler's life. Was codependent on Matthew as he was. Once Matthew committed suicide, uh, there was no longer anyone to try and shoulder the blame for what had happened. Tyler finally cut a deal, uh, ensuring that he wouldn't face the death penalty. With Tyler in prison forever and Matthew in the grave, Northern California is left to come to terms with the destruction the Williams brothers left behind. Anytime anybody tells you that they are acting in the name of God, bad things are going to happen. Being raised in a house where they thought that one way was the correct way and any other way was the incorrect way kind of was the, the beginning of what was to come. It's one thing to believe in a fundamental form of Christianity. It's a completely different thing to think that you have the God-given right to kill people. Tyler Williams is currently serving 50 years to life in a California prison. He has been ordered to pay the three synagogues $1 million in damages to their properties. Two of Gary Winfield's passion projects, the Redding Farmer's Market and the Redding Arboretum, still thrive in Redding. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 